I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. everyone welcome back to the reload podcast my name is kyle boone and we've got a special guest today michael dowdy from the sports animal is going to join us uh here in just a minute uh but first a quick ad from our sponsor you may have heard the news that there is a new tax bill but do you know how it'll affect you angel johnston and blasting game does their firm of 10 cpas and 22 total employees is one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they've been hard at work calculating how these new changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself. Feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website at ajb-cpas.com. Again, that's 405-224-6363. Go Pokes. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Reload Podcast. My name is Kyle Boone, and with me today, we've got a special guest, Michael Dowdy, uh, Morning Animals producer, and uh, covers Oklahoma State, covers OU, covers Thunder. You've probably seen him in some of your uh, video coverage of Oklahoma State. He's usually wearing like a salmon colored hat uh, and stands right next to Gundy in most of the videos. So, uh, does a little bit of everything for, for the sports animal in, in Oklahoma city. So really excited to have him on. What's going on, Michael? Not a lot. Just, uh, excited about this, uh, recruiting class to talk about and all sorts of stuff going on at, uh, Oklahoma state, including basketball. So you had a great pod the other day. Uh, hopefully we get some more good news in a couple weeks on Courtney Ramey. That would be big time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited to get you on. We're going to talk a little bit, uh, some football recruiting, just kind of recapping the 2018 class because believe it or not, uh, OSU only signed two in the in the like the final uh, national signing day period, so it kind of went under the radar. We're actually gonna rewind, uh, recap that class and the two signees uh, today. Uh, but real quick, can can you maybe just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are now, where you're from, um, you know, just kind of introduce yourself. Yeah, I uh, grew up in Yukon, Oklahoma, not too far from you know Oklahoma City. Uh, loved sports growing up, especially Oklahoma State stuff. So I uh, wanted to go in sports media once I figured out, hey, there's not much of a future in athletics for me. So <laughs> I um, ended up uh, going to uh, UCO in, in Edmond and getting a media degree. And like when I was in college, I got the intern with the, the sports animal. And uh, I've been there ever since. I'm, uh, this will be my sixth year being there, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I, like, I've done just about everything <laughs> you know, a producer can do, from high school sports and then being able to cover the Oklahoma City Thunder, which has been you know, an absolute dream. And then growing up um, you know, bleeding orange, being able to be around the football program at Oklahoma State has been uh, you know, a dream come true. So. Uh, that's that's a bit about me. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, you you really do everything for the sports animal. Like you know, I I get on Twitter. I pretty much live on Twitter because that's half my job. But every time I'm on there, I see you know you're producing videos for the Thunder or you're uh, sharing clips from Oklahoma State practice or 
cutting up with with some of the sports animal guys. So it's pre- it's pretty cool to see a, you know you're just kind of all over the place. You're doing a little bit of everything. What what's it like working at the sports animal? Who who are the most entertaining characters that you work with there? All right, so I mean, there's so many entertaining guys. Like I mean, you obviously everybody knows Jim and just his just what a interesting guy he is. He's yeah. fired up. But but my my favorite uh, is Phil and Zenga. He's not he's the least sports guy on the station. Like he doesn't know anything about sports, but he's like a professional radio guy. He is so funny. Like I, it, I'm almost envious just of how funny he is. So. Uh, he's kind of what makes our, our show go because uh, we're all sports guys. And then you kind of throw in this wrench of an entertainment guy and it just, it works. So I'm kind of in awe. Of, I would never tell him this to his face, but uh, I'm in awe of some of the stuff that, that he's able to do and, and make it work. So uh, if you follow him on like Facebook, Twitter, or you listen to the show, you just know he's just an interesting character and, uh, he's one of my favorites to work with out of out of the sports animal. But uh, now there's a there's a ton of really good guy like Craig Humphreys is a is a really great guy, and obviously um, Dusty Dvorak is kind of an up and comer right now. Like, he's obviously really good at, at radio, but like doing uh, TV, he's all over the place. Like he never rests. I you know it's crazy. Yeah. He'll do a week of radio, then he's doing a Friday night game. At sometimes he's doing. ESPN radio for not only college on Saturday, but on the NFL. So he's just incredibly talented. So uh, there's a lot of really great guys at the, at the sports channel. I'm pretty lucky to be able to work around some, some, some guys like that. Yeah. I, I really just want to know how much Phil paid you. And, you know, if I could maybe double that salary and you could just go around the sports animal telling everyone the same thing about me, you know, just what a great character I am, how entertaining I am. And Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah, I we're gonna that. have to. We'll figure something out for sure. <laughs> we'll work something out on the side. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's let's dive right into the to the 2018 class. Um, like I said just a little bit earlier, Oklahoma State signed 23 players in 2018 back in December. So they basically took advantage of the early signing period. They got all of their signees out of the way. Um, they had a few areas to address, and I think they did that in the February period where they signed two defensive linemen. Uh, they signed Samuela Tuihalamaka. A, uh, I'm def- glad that you said that because I'm not going to be able to say that name. <laughs> I heard I heard Mark Rogers say it, and he nailed it, and then uh, John Hoover nailed it. So I'm just taking the cue off them. If, if they're wrong, then I'm also wrong, but we'll, we'll roll with it. <laughs> uh, a high school kid, he's at a modern day in California, really talented defensive tackle. And then a junior college kid, Amadou Fofana, uh, kid out of he's actually from Memphis, but he went to junior college in Kansas. A defensive end. What are your takes on just the class as a whole? I mean, you know, you you've got so many different positions in this class. Twenty-five players. They've got a quarterback. They've got a running back, wide receivers, basically every position. Um, how do you feel that the the class came together as a whole? And do you feel like they a- adequately addressed some of those areas that? Uh, maybe were lacking or areas they needed to fit? Yeah, the the class as a whole, I think, is like a typical solid Oklahoma State class. Like it's what ranked, I think, naturally in like the mid to low 30s. Yep. And you got some big names like, you know, Spencer Sanders and C.J. Moore, the, you know, the four-star guys that were really highly recruited. But then there's some really solid players in here too, like, you know, Michael Flanagan, uh, Sean Michael Flanagan, and, you know, Tanner McAllister, Bryce Bray. JV on Cardwell, those are guys that could make an immediate impact as freshmen. You know, those are 
legit what you know football guys and there's some kind of typical Oklahoma State you know we're gonna redshirt you we're gonna yep. bring you up we're gonna let you body by glass there's some some guys those redshirt developmental guys that could really develop into some nice players once they get in the program for a year or two so it's just a very typical Mike Gundy class I mean that's and I do think that they've really addressed some some issues especially on the offensive line I thought they did a good job there yeah yeah uh, every time i go on like a radio hit or everyone someone's asking me about it oklahoma state's recruiting class um it seems like their biggest complaint is why is osu below baylor in the national recruiting rankings mm-hmm. i tend to think that it you know they're they're from texas it's a private school it's a, it's a good institution despite their uh checkered past under art briles um but it's it's hard to argue. I mean, they they won one game last year. They were a terrible football team. I I don't really have an answer other than you know Texas schools typically get Texas kids. Um, why why do you think OSU is it is it OSU just not being able to recruit or is it Baylor being maybe recruiting a little bit above their heads and and getting more players than maybe they deserve. I think I heard Art Bryles kind of talk about this back when they were kind of really having some really good recruiting classes mm-hmm. is they use location as a big deal where they talk, you know, you're a couple hours from Houston, you're a couple hours from Dallas, Austin, you know, all these big cities, San Antonio, you're just kind of in the heart of it. And your families can, can come easily. They take a day trip. Hey, they're going to be able to watch you play, you know, every home game and even some, you know, away games. I think they've used that, but one thing, is they're all they're really flashy they're kind of you know when they they got this brand new football stadium and it's you know it's decked out there's like stuff inside of it and then you hear you know you go into the indoor facility and uh, you've been there i mean they have like one banner in there yeah uh, from the bowl game uh back in the alamo bowl a couple years ago and you just kind of realize how barren it is you know and you hear the infighting between trying to, you know, really spice things up. And maybe that's some of it too, is in a, a, along with OSU's location, Stillwater's not, you know, the easiest place in the world to get to. Right. Uh, so I think those are factors, but then I think Gundy is stubborn. He is, he, he know, maybe thinks, well, this is the level Oklahoma state can get. This has worked for us in the past. So we're going to bring guys in. We're going to get Rob Bass. We're going to put them through his program for a couple of years. We're going to produce good people, good football players. And um, by the time they're seniors, you know, they're, they're contributing in some fashion, you know, on, on the, on the team. And maybe he's being a little too conservative uh, in his approach, not only on the field, but maybe in the recruiting class. I mean, that, that's me being kind of speculative, but um, I feel like with the success that they've had, Especially with you know Baylor, they're having just one game. They're having you know issues within their administration, and it's just very public that you would think that Oklahoma, a program like Oklahoma State, could, could capitalize. And yeah. For yeah. some reason, they're not. So I'm wondering if there's just a variation of, of what's going on there. Yeah, it, it does feel like um, you know in 2011 they won the Big 12 title. Uh, Justin Blackman, you know, a two-star kid. That Brandon Whedon, uh, former walk-on. Um, and they won the Big 12 title, and it's, it almost feels like they caught lightning in a bottle, and Gundy is just hell-bent on just keeping those type of guys, those guys who are under the radar, 
who know that you know he can fit them into their system. They may not be the most highly touted. They may not be the most uh, talented necessarily, but they fit in his system, and he's not changing from it. And I, I think that's a little frustrating if you're an OSU fan because you want to see you want to see some guys. You want to see guys like Tyree Kill, uh, who they landed a few years ago, coming into the program, a four-star talent at the time. Uh, out of junior college, who could obviously he's a world class talent, uh, really quick, speedy guy. Th- they just don't have those guys. I mean, they they got Tyron Johnson from LSU out of transfer, um, but you know, I do you think they can win Big Twelve titles the way that they're recruiting now? No, like, yeah. I, and I don't like saying that because I like I do like the James Washingtons where they you know get brought up and. Um, you know, they're under-recruited guys and they developed them into Blitnikoff winners. You know, right. there's that side of it, but there's also, hey, you need more guys like Marcel Aitman. You need more guys like Tyron Johnson, yep. Tyron, you know, the, all these types of guys. You need more of them, um, especially defensively, because that's where your issues have been. And that's, I think, some of the the problems that they've run into. And this 2019 class could be a one where they could kind of flip the switch that way because they've already got the four-star kit tied in yeah, Collinsville. Grayson Boomer. Trying to recruit some other ones. Hey, um, I don't know. There's Dax Hill that's yes. out there in Tulsa that would be maybe the probably the biggest recruit that they've ever had yeah, in Oklahoma State. It would be. I Actually, think. Bobby, Bobby then, Reed was technically higher rated uh, right. when he signed. But, yeah, Dax Hill, no doubt. But best defensive player by far if he committed. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt. So, if you, like, you get those two – then the ball could get rolling, but, um, you know, they could capitalize that way. So I'm really interested to see how this summer goes yep. because it seems like they're in on a few more guys that they haven't been in the past. So maybe they're changing, you know, just a little bit, but um, uh, it is frustrating. I mean, how could you not be frustrated by it? Because I think the when you when the program is, you know, a team where you're like nationally now, people are like, yeah, you can win 10 games you know, every year, just, or, you know, every three out of four years or yep. something like that, you know, you need to really cash in because that's not, I mean, it's an arms race, you know, with what you're seeing down with Texas, with uh, Herman, what, you know, Lincoln Riley should, what he's doing, trying to get 80,000 people to a spring game. Yeah. Stuff like that should kind of scare you. Yeah. You know, like, like, like Oklahoma state, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, you built Boone Pickens stadium, you built, uh, the indoor facility, the Sherman East Smith Center, you know, that's nice. But, like, let's add some, some stuff to that. Let's get the video board going, you know, because the four little, you know, two TVs aren't going to work on, you know, the four ends of the – you know, you need to really be able to uh, to, to keep up in that arms race. To, yep. and t- you know, that's just the world we live in. That's the world of recruiting. It's not necessarily – wins or you know it's get the nfl shock and all and you got the jerseys you know right. you got the the look got to be able flash. to go out there but you but you you know you got to use it and i i think that they've used it some you've got the mullet going on uh some fans like it uh and when you don't win not so much uh you got them playing the saxophone now uh yeah. so i mean you've got a, a coach that is you know esp and eats them up yep. you know you you've got the exposure i think maybe from Holder and then some from Gundy. You just need maybe a little bit more because I think they're, you know, they're that close. Yeah. They're really just busting it open. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they do need to take the next step um, to, con- I mean, consistently win Big 12 titles. They've been a top mm-hmm. two program 
uh, in the league for several years now. But when you look at recruiting rankings, they're finishing pretty consistently right around the fifth place mark. Um, I'd, exactly. lo- I'd love to see what OSU could do with some top two talent in the league. I think I think it could be a game changer for the program. Um, well, and and then Texas isn't going to be what they've been forever. Yep. At some point, maybe it's next year, maybe it's five years from now. I don't know, but at some point they're going to figure it out. And OU's not going anywhere. Um, you know, TCU. Uh, you know, they're so consistent as well. They're so good. And um, you know, you're in a small window of opportunity to where you got to, you know, turn the corner or you're going to get left behind. Yep. And, you know, you really don't want to be in that type of position. And, and Gundy's talked about how he wants to be, by the time he leaves, he wants to be a nationally known top 15 program. And they're so close, but they're also just as close as maybe being kind of on that outside looking in. Definitely. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Hey, Cowboy Nation, Evan Epstein here. Wanted to take a moment and tell you about my experience with the other Evan over at Angel Johnston and Blasting Game. I've personally worked with Evan over the last couple of years, and he's made filing my taxes a breeze. He's easy to work with, provides you with an extremely professional service, and most importantly, he bleeds orange. I highly recommend contacting his office and, and just seeing what they can do for you. And as always, go Pokes. Um, let's switch gears here. I want to get your take on um, specifically the recruiting class, maybe the most impressive position group. And I'll go first. I'll let you stew on that because I want to talk a little bit about the the offensive line class that's coming in. Um, what Josh Henson has done is pretty remarkable. Uh, since he took over last year, he's he's landed five commitments. He's got Bryce Bray out of, out of Bigsby, an offensive guard. He's got Tyrese Williams, a center out of Texas. Jacob Farrell out of uh, out of Sulphur, an offensive tackle. Hunter Woodard, an offensive tackle, and Hunter Anthony, another tackle from Tuttle. Um, for him to be able to basically OSU struggles under Greg Adkins before, and even under dating back to Bob Connolly, was getting commitments and getting them to stick. I think they could both land recruits. But getting them to signing day was another thing. I think A&M kept swooping in, kept swooping in. Yes, Texas A&M yes. every year. Yeah. Definitely getting like the prime <laughs> offensive line you know, target OSU had and flip them like in the, late in the process. You're like, oh, well, that sucked. Like, Without fail. What? You know, that, yeah, every year you knew somebody it was going to be Arkansas, it seems, on defense and Texas yep. A&M on the offensive line every year would flip. Yes, and so that that was not the case this year. He landed all five guys pretty early in the process. They all kind of gelled and bonded. And I talked to one of the offensive linemen who said they just basically they're in a group text with with Josh Henson, and Henson just is you know he's just one of the dudes really. He just sends them memes throughout the day or checks in on them, and and they seem to have a pretty good working relationship, which is which is obviously a good thing. They all signed on on signing day in December. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to start from day one, but the fact that he's got all five guys coming in, they're all pretty good prospects. And, uh, I, I, I think that's probably the most impressive uh, position group to me. Um, just because the talent is absolutely there and the, and they definitely needed talent at that position. What is the most impressive position group in your opinion in this class? All right. 
So I wrote, because when you sent me like the uh, rundown we were going to do, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about the offensive line because I'm so pumped up about it. <laughs> Bryce Bray, I think, is the, one of the best guys in the class for sure. Yeah. Uh, out of Bixby. I'm, I, like, they finally got a center in uh, uh, Tyrese Williams. Finally. Because they're so lucky that they had Brad Lundley that just decided, hey, I'm going to walk on. Ends up being, you know, a really, really nice player for four years. But I think um, offensive line, I'm really fired up about Hunter Anthony, who's on campus already. You know, he's 6'7", 320, and he's got this baby face. Yes. I'm like, I can't excited to see what he looked like. I'm so excited to see what he looks like in like two and a half, you know, two and a half years when he really matures because he's got a nice frame that could just be an absolute monster in he's the big massive. Bowl. So I mean, he is, he is, and I, just the fact that he's already there has me, you know, with uh, with glass right now because right now is just tough you know right before spring football but right since uh you went with offensive line i'm going i'm going to go with the receiving group because okay cj moore like is an absolute stud yes because, um, he, um i'd love to see him bulk up because he, you know six five is great size he's got great speed you know you'd like him to get closer to 200 he's about what 175 probably right now yeah he's he'll kidding. get in the summer but then you got Jonathan Shepard out of Kilgore, Texas. You know, he's six yep. four, about 200. And I think he's really underrated. You know, he, I think he's another underrated guy that just two really big guys, two guys that can really run. So I'm pretty fired about those. That, that'll be like my my 1B, how about that, the, the two receivers that they've got them with already a talented group of receivers on campus. I love it. Yeah, I like it. I think, I think it. you know, you have to give credit to Casey Dunn for – continuing to recruit at a level that is just astounding. I mean, the fact that C.J. Moore, obviously they had an OSU connection. Uh, Tracy Moore was his cousin and uh, had a pretty successful Oklahoma State career. But the fact that uh, a four-star kid, top 200 recruit, chose OSU over Ohio State and pretty much wherever he wanted, I think that speaks volumes as to how successful Dunn has been uh, recruiting at the at the wide receiver position. Um I buried the lead here because really, I, I all I wanted to do was talk about quarterbacks with you. That's basically all I want to talk oh, this about. This is so this is so fascinating. <laughs> this what, race. what what is going to happen uh, in 2018? We're we're talking about Spencer Sanders, uh, Andrew Brown, Taylor Cornelius, Keandre Woodty. Who is going to start for Oklahoma State at quarterback in 2018? Uh, I am pretty confident it is not going to be one person that starts the whole year. Okay. I I think that this Drew Brown story is just incredible. And I, the the story of, you know, nobody wanted him out of high school. He goes to Juco. He gets to Hawaii. Now he's like got this opportunity that he sought out Oklahoma State. Oh, you know, Mike Gundy seems to be in on him and – excited about him and he's leaving a starting job in college football to come to Stillwater where yeah. there's so much up in the air that on top of the fact that Spencer Sanders is basically kind of the savior at quarterback to keep going with what Mason Rudolph's been able to do um and then Taylor Cornelius who's she's been there forever I'm pretty sure you know it feels like he's been there like 10 years already Perry um, Ellis here and yeah I know he is <laughs> uh, you know he's finally he's to me, he's got some Clint Shelf to him where yeah. no matter what his job has been, they're trying to take it away from him, and he just keeps winning it. Yeah. You know, and so I think this this is a huge spring for him in making, you know, his 
run legitimately at being able to play, you know, in the fall. But I truly think it's going to be down to Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders. If Spencer Sanders was in school right now and went through spring football, I'm picking him hands down. Yeah. But the fact that he's coming in in the summer, you know, what happens if maybe he just has a couple lapses for a couple practices at the beginning of the of the week, you know, uh, at the beginning of training camp, and he maybe doesn't come along quite as fast, kind of like what Rudolph did where the first, you know, half of the season maybe they're like, you know, might we're going to redshirt you. We really don't want to break that redshirt. We think that you're going to really build off of it. Then by the end of the year, it's like, okay, well, I mean, it was clearly he was ready. Right. But um, at the same time, I wonder how much of, you know, if we look back to 2012 when, uh, West Lunt started at quarterback, and he looked really, really good. Yes. And then all of a sudden he Gets dislocated his knee, yep. and he, I thought he was never the same after that. I he never wasn't. really watched him at Illinois, but it just looked like he wasn't the same. And mm-hmm. this offensive line this year, I love Marcus Keys, but outside of that, they're just a bunch of unproven guys. Like, I couldn't tell you who the offensive line is going to be. Like, that's how depleted they kind of are. Right. And I'm hoping that this uh, freshman class can come along really, really fast. Yeah, no <laughs> but, kidding. Um, with both of like, I don't want Sanders to get in there and get hurt. I, though he is a very mobile guy, such a such a good athlete. But Drew Brown's got some athleticism to him as well, and I think with him being able to move around, they're going to be able to do some zone read this year, which is I think going to help out the offensive line and Justice Hill because you're going to get him out in uh, open space where you know it's fun to watch him run. Absolutely. But, you know, uh, I I really think that. If I think really Brown is an insurance plan in case Spencer's not ready from day one. Yep. But I think that the Spencer's going to get every chance. I think Brown's going to get a good chance as well. If he can just be consistent, Brown, he'll probably be the day one starter. But I think eventually it will go to, to Spencer as the season goes along. That would be my, you know, my, uh, what I predict, but you know, before Brown, I thought it was Sanders a hundred percent. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, so Sanders, a four-star quarterback incoming, just signed in the 2018 class. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks in Texas won't be on campus until the summer. So, um, you know, he, he has fall camp to prove himself. Drew Brown. I don't know if we've mentioned him on the podcast or not. He's a kid from Hawaii who, like you said, he's leaving his starting quarterback job for at Hawaii um, to finish his final college year at Oklahoma State. And um, basically, he, he's already talked with Pistols Fire, and he talked with Luke Garza. Shout out to Luke Garza. And, it was a great article. It was a really good yeah, article. Yeah, yeah. And and, um, and his, his teammate basically said, you know, Drew's not leaving Hawaii to be a backup at Oklahoma State. He wants to win the job, and he plans to win the job, um, which is going to be really interesting because – I, I personally think he's an insurance plan for Spencer Sanders if he doesn't immediately catch up the offense. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe Taylor Cornelius wins the job. Maybe Keandre Woodty, redshirt freshman, is going to win the job. I, I have no idea what to expect. If I'm if I'm yeah, like, if I'm banking on it, I I'm going to guess Spencer Sanders and Drew Brown is maybe like a guy who is an insurance policy and might be one B behind behind him and Cornelius is somewhere in that range too but I have no idea what to expect I'm really fascinated to watch this race yeah if I was going to break it down like percentage wise I have Brown and Sanders both at 40% like 
Taylor Cornelius at like 15 or would she like five? Like I, you know, would he, he hasn't shown much, uh, in the, in the limited roles that we've seen him in like yeah. last year's spring game, which he was kind of set up to not look very good. Um, <laughs> unfortunately for him. And then, and against, you know, South Alabama, um, basically they just let him run the zone read and that was about it. So like, we yeah. don't know much about him, but we also haven't heard, you know, a lot of positive things. We, you know, we, we haven't heard anything really about him. So that'd kind of be my breakdown, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, Gundy, like wrestle all the questions because you know, he doesn't want to talk about quarterback stuff. Oh yeah, no doubt. He's not going to, he's not going to name his starter until like the, the day before, uh, the first game, it's going to be like Friday at midnight. And he's like, Hey, let's go ahead and send out a little press release to let everyone know, you know, <laughs> got Spencer rolling exactly. out there. Yeah. That's totally what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, exactly. I'm going to get through some, let's go through some quick hitters because you are actually okay. going to the Oklahoma state game tonight. So we're going to get you out of here pretty quickly. Um, I'll just go, I'll, I got five questions I want to ask you and you can just tell me, okay. uh, what, what your answer is and we'll go kind of quickly. Uh, number one, most impressive Oklahoma State signee from the 2018 class is drum roll, please. I could have gone with Spencer Sanders because he committed for like 14 months, or CJ Moore because he could have gone anywhere. But I'm yep. going with Sean Michael Flanagan, who slipped from Arkansas. I guess Gundy poached him. You know, yeah. he's upset about the poachers with Antoine, but he basically poaches Sean Michael Flanagan, who's from Arkansas, committed to Arkansas. I think that's the most impressive one where he, he got him late at the first signing period. And I think a guy that uh, is going to end up being a player uh, people really like. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I love that. By the way, the, the poaching stuff was hilarious because Gundy straight oh, up. Oh, it's fantastic. Straight up dogged Arkansas in the final days. But it's a different, a little bit dis- different situation. I mean, they switched coaching or coaches mm-hmm. you know, somewhere right. around that period. But it's still really funny. Uh Next, most likely non-quarterback to start from day one in this 2018 class. So you could look at defensive tackle, wide receiver, tight end, linebacker, uh, safety. Who who's your pick to to start? Man, I think we dissected the quarterback uh, spot. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I would make C.J. Moore is a real possibility. The other side of um, of Tyron. Yep. Uh, I think that's a Why real shot, at, or at least maybe to, to play significantly. And how about JV on Cardwell, maybe at corner? I'm I think there. he's a guy that could uh, that could really show up and give, you know, AJ or uh, Rodarius a, a run for their money. I think that he could be a guy that could just be, be an impact guy right away. I'm there, corner, cornerback. He's a stud, dude. I'm all in there. Uh, I'm, I'm fired up to watch him play. I am too. I am too. Three-star kid, really underrated. I think he could be a, a significant factor next year. I think he'll I think he'll play. I don't know if he'll start, but I think he'll play for sure. Um, let's see. We already went over quarterback who you think starts in the first first game. Uh, most likely player to win the Heisman out of this class is. Oh, it's Spencer Sanders all the way. You get yeah, Barry yeah. Sanders your first one, Spencer Sanders your second one. It stays in the family. They're not related, obviously. The it stays in the family. Sanders family. I would love it. As a freshman. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, too soon. Oh yeah. He he'll he'll yeah, that would be big time. That'd be awesome. Uh all right, so most important addition. This is our last one. Most important ad for the two thousand eighteen class. Oh, it's the entire offensive line. Yeah. I mean the way what 
with the issues that they've had on the offensive line since really 2013, 14, yep. especially 14, where being able to get good guys, guys that are, you know, Bray is going to be, I think, a stud. Yeah, um, I think that, super. you know, Tyrese Williams, you know, he's a legitimate center that, that, that they recruit. You know, I can't, you know, then um, the uh, Hunter Anthony, I talked about him and, yep. and just his development. And the other two are two guys that I think are really going to surprise some people, some some under the radar, some under the radar guys that, that I'm really fired up to see you know, what they're able to do once um, they get on campus and get in with uh, Rob Glass for a couple of years. I mean, this is that, that whole, this whole group in about two years could be your starters, like every single one of them. Yeah. So like that, I think it's just so important. I think the offensive line is, is one of the most important things because Gundy loves to run the football and that you have to be able to uh, block to run the football in the type of scheme that they're running. So uh, Jacob Farrell's another one I'm very intrigued by. Yeah, in-state kids coming in. Okay, um, so this podcast is probably going to go up on Friday or Thursday, which means the Oklahoma State Kansas State game will have already tipped and finished. So we'll know whether or not Oklahoma State's in a decent spot or like really on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. You're going mm-hmm. to Stillwater, so I want to get your prediction on the record, so that way we can look and laugh and say how stupid we were for saying, you know whatever our prediction is. So what, what's your prediction Oklahoma state wins or loses tonight and by how much? I think, all right. Uh, the, my brain is saying, well, if you go off of like trends, yeah, they're probably going to lose tonight, Yeah, but I'm optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic. I think that they get their, you know, first time this season in big Four play, they get a two consecutive wins in the big 12. And they really solidify themselves as a, you know, a bubble team, a team that's really looking at making a push for the NCAA tournament. I think the, the you know, Boynton gets it done. I love what he's done this season with this group of kids. And I think they find a way. I think they know the importance. They've had two midweek games at home the last two weeks that they haven't come out and played very well. I think we're going to see a, uh, a, a very focused team tonight, very businesslike. Okay. All right. So what's your, what's your score prediction? Oh, I think, you know, let's be like, you know, 78, 70. How about that for okay. the, for the pokes? I like it. Okay. So yeah, I'm, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, uh, if it goes the other way, please don't hate me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Make sure to spam Michael's Twitter account after the fact and let him know. Exactly. Uh, I'm, exactly. I'm going to go a little bit closer. I'll say like 73, 71 Oklahoma state wins. I think it'll be close. No. So that would—I mean—that's how they do it. It has to be, a, isn't it? It has to be a close win. If cardiac gonna do Cowboys. It. Come, cardiac Cowboys. You know, we thought we had that with you know the football team the last several years. Yeah. And, uh, basketball teams like uh, hold my beer. Here we yeah, come. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> So, all right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Safe travels to Stillwater, and uh, yeah, well, hopefully we'll get you on another time down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right.